Good morning, church. This made my day. I don't know about you, but watching those kids contribute made my day. One of the reasons that I tell you every week, and I hope you don't get tired of me saying it, but one of the reasons I tell you every week that I love you is because I know for a fact that there are plenty of you who are hurting, who are struggling, who are questioning, who are sad, maybe even a little angry about things that have happened recently or things that have happened in the past, especially this time of year, because I know and you know that the holidays have a way of creating fresh wounds and reminding us of old wounds. And so I hope that you'll permit me to tell you again that I love you. And I am so thankful for our relationship in Christ in fact, we have a lot of figures of speech, don't we, for, for those times when we feel like things are, are going from bad to worse. We say things like, when it rains, it pours, right? We say, we went out of the frying pan and into the fire. We say, sometimes when we're waiting for something, we feel like there's an inevitable bad thing that's about to happen. We say, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So we know, we know what it's like, don't we? We have all kinds of ways to express this, this feeling that things are, are bad, that we've been struggling, that we just can't catch a break. And I, I believe that this time of year especially is, is appropriate for us to think about the Apostle Paul and everything that he went through and the way that he went through those things with his eyes fixed on Jesus, with his hope in Christ carried along by, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we can have confidence and peace in the midst of a single storm or in the midst of a stormy season. So before we even get to the story we've been talking about the last few weeks, the first 25 years of Paul's ministry, from the time he became a follower of Jesus until this time that we find him in this story, here's some of the things he went through. Here's how he listed it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at this list. He said things like this, five times, five times he received the 39 lashes from the Jewish authorities. Five times. If that alone happened to you, you'd say when it rains, it pours, and you went out of the frying pan and into the fire. You, you would say that your life was pretty miserable if that's all you experienced. If five different times you were whipped 39 times, three times he was beaten with rods, three times he had already been shipwrecked, one time he was stoned, he was in constant danger, he, he struggled with toil and hardship. Many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, exposure to the elements, and then on top of all of that, daily anxiety for all the churches. This is how when he wrote the, the second letter to the Corinthians, this is how he described all of the things that he had gone through in about 25 years' time. This was his life. But here's, here's the way he described his life in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I love that, don't you? Listen to that again. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not 
destroyed. I think that's a, a perfect way to encapsulate everything we've been talking about this whole year. Our theme this year has been unstoppable. Unstoppable. Saying that, we believe that when you are aligned with the mission and the purpose of Jesus, then you are an unstoppable people. That when you are aligned with Jesus, that no matter what Satan throws at you, you will be unstoppable. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't have struggles. It doesn't mean that if you start following Jesus and you align your life with his will, that it won't hurt. In fact, in some ways, it might hurt more. You might struggle more. You might have more challenges, different challenges than you had before. But in the end, you will live. You will be victorious. You may be afflicted, but you won't be crushed. You may be perplexed, but you won't be driven to despair. You might be persecuted, but you won't be forsaken. You might be struck down, but you will not be destroyed. So this is what Paul had gone through up to the time he went to Jerusalem. And when he went to Jerusalem, here's, here's the rest of the things that he went through. We've been talking about these things. He was seized in the temple he was beaten by an angry mob. He was falsely accused. He was taken into Roman custody. He was almost assassinated, but narrowly escaped. He was unjustly imprisoned for two years in Caesarea. And then when they were transferring him from Caesarea to Rome, he spent two weeks storm-tossed on the sea. Now, that's a pretty challenging life, isn't it? It's a pretty challenging life. The, the life of following Jesus, nobody said, or if somebody told you that it was going to be a struggle-free life, they lied to you. Jesus certainly didn't say that. Jesus didn't say that if you follow Jesus, suddenly there won't be storms. In fact, there are going to be storms. That is inevitable. But what Jesus does promise us is that he will be with us. And that as we talked about last week, even in spite of the storm, we can have peace, confidence, assurance, and even joy. So let's finish this story. After we talked last week, they were still storm-tossed at sea. Acts chapter 27, verse 39 says it this way. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, and at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. Now, can you imagine that? After two weeks of being tossed, not knowing whether you're going to live or die, suddenly they see land and they're, they're going to try to run the ship up onto the beach, but it strikes a reef before it even gets to the beach and the front of the ship is stuck and the back of the ship is being broken apart by the waves. Terrifying, isn't it? Terrifying. It says in verse 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. Now, there's 276 people on board. I don't know how many of those passengers were prisoners, but the, the soldiers thought, there's no way that we can make sure we keep all of these prisoners captive from the time we're in this wrecked ship to the time we get to the shore. 
And if they escape, if they swim away, if they get away from us while we're trying to get to shore, then we're going to have to pay the penalty of them escaping. We may be even killed because they escaped. So the, the soldiers figure the best way to make sure that no one escapes is just kill all the prisoners from the beginning. But, verse 43, but the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. Now, as we, as we read this, there's, there's two different things we could focus on. We could focus on the fact that they were shipwrecked, that they went through all of this pain and struggle and hurt and pain. Or we could focus on the fact that they, they safely reached the land. That just as Paul promised, that not a single one of them would die. So we could focus on the shipwreck and the pain and the struggle, or we could focus on the fact that God provided for them. God took care of them. God blessed them. And we have a tendency to focus on the pain, don't we? We have a tendency to just focus on the struggle and how bad things are. And I think it's important to note that the shipwreck didn't come from God. The salvation did. The shipwreck didn't come from God. If you remember in the beginning when they were at Fair Havens in Crete, Paul encouraged them, let's not do this. Let's, let's not leave right now. Let's wait here in Fairhavens. Let's avoid this stormy season. Let's avoid this and winter here in Fairhavens. But they ignored his advice and went on anyway. I believe God wanted them to avoid the storm. God wanted them to avoid the shipwreck. The shipwreck wasn't from God. All of this pain and struggle that, that was caused by the storm and by the shipwreck, it wasn't God's fault, but it's God's blessing that they reach the land safely. See, sometimes we, we look at just the pain. We look at just the storm. And, it, and that, of course, is a very natural thing to do because it hurts, because it's scary, because it tears the things that we love apart. We, we, we of course, look at the things that we lost. Everything but their lives was lost in the shipwreck. They lost everything on the ship. And it's really easy for us to just get this myopic view and just focus singularly on the things that we've lost and how bad it hurts. And to just think about that. But I want to encourage us to expand our view. That doesn't mean that we ignore or discount the things that we've lost. Of course it hurts. Of course it's painful. Of course we have a right to, to mourn and grieve the things that we've lost but also think about how God has blessed us along the way, how God has protected us along the way, how God has provided for us along the way, and recognize that the shipwreck and the storm weren't God's wanting. God didn't want those things to happen to them. It was the salvation that came from God. Now, in chapter 28, Luke writes, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. Again, we could focus on the rain and the cold. That's pretty miserable, isn't it? The rain and the cold. Or we could focus on the warm hospitality of the people. In fact, Luke notes that this was unusual kindness. They received greater hospitality from these pagan people 
than they did from some of the religious people that they encountered on their journeys. And just kind of as a side note, sometimes, sometimes we overlook the ways that God is providing for us, the ways that God is blessing us, the people that God is using to help us God is using these unbelievers, these pagans, to take care of Paul and his companions, isn't he? But sometimes we miss that because of our own prejudices. We miss that because we make assumptions about people. And we forget and overlook and don't understand that God can use all kinds of people in all kinds of situations to bless and provide for and take care of his people. Look at verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. There were all kinds of ancient stories like this where bad people would have things happen to them like like a shipwreck and somehow they would escape from the shipwreck but justice got them after all, and a snake or some animal would come and kill them. And so they said, ha that's what's happening here. That's why he's about to die. This viper has bit him, and surely he's going to die because he must be a bad person. But we know, why did the snake bite Paul? Because it had been cold, and the snake was lying still in a bunch of sticks, and the heat from the fire woke him up. And that's what snakes do. They get scared and they bite people. That's what snakes do. Storms rage. Ships sink. Snakes bite. That's just the world we're living in. It's broken. And it hurts. And it robs us of people that we love and things that we love. That's what happens. Storms rage. Ships sink. Snakes bite. And we try, even like these people on Malta, we try to figure out why. We ask that question all the time, don't we? Why? Why did this happen? Why, 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 did, this, why did this storm come about? Why did this ship sink? Why did this snake bite? And we're always trying to ask why, and then we try to supply our own answers. Why? We try to figure out why. Maybe it's because that person is a bad person. Maybe because that group of people are bad people. Maybe it's because I'm a bad person. Maybe it's because of the bad things that I did. And guess what? Just like the people of Malta, we are really bad at trying to answer why, aren't we? We try to figure out why did this snake bite? Why did this ship sink? Why did this storm rage? We often come up with all the wrong answers. They made assumptions about Paul because something bad happened to him. Remember, we have a whole book of the Bible that's devoted to that one idea, Job. Job's friends try to explain why, why this must have happened, and it must have been because you did something bad. We are really bad at trying to guess why. And sometimes the answer to why, why cancer? Why ALS? Why the wreck? Why the death? Why the this? Why the that? Why did the storm rage? Why did the ship sink? Why did the snake bite? Because that's the broken world we live in. Sometimes that's all the answer that there is. That's all we need to know is that we live in a broken world that takes things from us and it hurts and we struggle. And that's the world that we live in. And belonging to Jesus doesn't prevent bad things from happening to us. Look at verse 5. 
Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. The people were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds. And they said that he was a god. I mean, they went from saying, this guy's a murderer, he's about to die, to saying, oh, he must be a god. Both times, both guesses, they were wrong. Because we are not very good at figuring out why did this happen? Or why did that happen? Paul was neither a a murderer that justice was coming to, to execute, nor was he a god. So these people were wrong on both accounts. But here's what was evident and is evident, that God, the God, the one true and living God, was taking care of And that's what you can know. And that's what I can know. Why did the ship sink? I don't know. Why did the storm rage? I don't know. Why did the the snake bite? I don't know. And I don't know why that happened in your life or in the life of the people that you love. But I know this, that God cares for his people. God keeps his promises. That's what we see throughout this story. Not not that God's people don't have to struggle. Not that God's people don't hurt. Not that bad things don't happen to God's people. But that God cares for his people. Look at verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius. Who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. See, again, sometimes God is using others to bless you. He used the people of Malta to bless Paul. And sometimes God is using you to bless others. Sometimes God is using others to bless you, and sometimes he's using you to bless others. And sometimes it's right in the middle of a storm. It's right in the middle of a stormy season. It's right in the middle of a tragedy. It's right after the storms rage. It's right after the ships sink. It's right after the snakes bite. It's right after you get bad news. It's right after you lose everything. Sometimes God is using other people in those moments to bless you. And sometimes even in those moments, he's using you to bless others. But again, if we, if we only focus on what we've lost... If we only focus on how bad it hurts, if we only focus on why is this happening? Why why did my ship sink? Why did that snake bite me? If we only focus on those why questions and we don't ask how, how, how can God use others to bless me in this moment? Or how can God use me to bless others in this moment? Then if we're not asking those better questions, we may miss out on a huge opportunity. Even in the worst moments in our life, sometimes especially in the worst moments of our life, God is blessing someone. Again, God didn't make the snake bite Paul. God didn't make the waves sink the ship. God didn't want them to venture out onto a stormy sea, but they did. They did. They ventured out and the storm came. They ventured out and the ship sank. They ventured out and the snake bit them. But God blessed them. And God, in those moments of tragedy and struggle and heartache and pain and challenge, 
God was still in the blessing business. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? That right in the middle of all of the pain and all of the loss, God is still in the blessing business. Look for the people that God is putting in your life to bless you in those moments. And look for the opportunities that God is using for you to be a blessing to others, even in the middle of the tragedy. Look at verse 9. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. I'm sure that Paul, Luke doesn't record this, but I'm sure that Paul used this opportunity to, to share with them about Jesus, don't you think? Again, again, God wanted them to avoid all of this storm, but since they, since they ventured out, and since all of this happened, and in the middle of all of this, God knew that it was all going to unfold this way, didn't he? He always knew this is what they were going to do. This is what was going to happen. He knew there was going to be pain. He knew there was going to be loss. But also, God knew that he could use this situation to bring about good. So all these people are healed and cured because Paul is on this island. And if it hadn't been for the snake bite, if it hadn't been for the shipwreck, if it hadn't been for the stormy seas, they wouldn't have had this opportunity. Sometimes it's right in the middle of these horrible situations that we would rather avoid, wouldn't we? We would rather avoid the storm. We would rather avoid the shipwreck. We would rather avoid the snakes. But those things are going to happen. And when they do, recognizing that God can use this situation. Again, it's not that God caused this situation. It's that God can use this situation to bring about good. And here's what Paul says to the church of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, rejoice when? Always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in what circumstances? All circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In all circumstances, Paul, rejoice always, Paul. Pray without ceasing, Paul. Come on now. Don't you know what I've been through? Don't you know how bad it hurts? Paul says, I know. I know. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I've been shipwrecked. I've been at sea. I've been exposed to the elements. I'm constantly anxious for the churches. I've been falsely accused. I've been wrongly imprisoned. I've been bitten by a snake. I've been stoned. I know what it is to go through struggle. I know what it is to hurt. And here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Rejoice always. Rejoice by faith. Rejoice by faith. Our rejoicing, I want to make sure that we say this, our rejoicing doesn't mean put a smile on, pretend it doesn't hurt. But we rejoice in different ways, in different circumstances, but we rejoice nonetheless. Your rejoicing in the middle of a shipwreck is going to look different than your rejoicing on a sunny day. Your rejoicing when it's stormy is going to look different than when the sun is shining. Your rejoicing when you're hurting is going to look different than your rejoicing when you feel great. But in all these circumstances, we rejoice by faith. And that means at least a couple of different things. One, we rejoice by faith when we see good coming from bad situations. 
Because we know that God is at work. And sometimes we've seen that, haven't we? You've seen that? You've seen good come from a bad situation. You would have rather avoided that bad situation. And I think chances are God would have rather you avoid that bad situation. But you went through it and you will go through it. And sometimes you see good coming from it. That's God. That's the power of God to to take bad things that are truly bad. It's not that we call bad things good. Bad things are truly bad. But it is that God can work even in the worst situation to bring about good. And sometimes we see it. And when we see it, we praise God and we say, thank you, God, for bringing about something good in the midst of a very bad situation. But other times we don't see it. We can't see it. We can't even imagine good coming from a bad situation. That's when we rejoice by faith as well. We rejoice when you don't see any good because you trust God is doing good that you can't see. Is that possible? Is it possible that even in the middle of something so horrific that you can't imagine good coming from it, that even in the midst of those situations that God could work all things together for good? Is it possible that God is not limited in his ability to bring about good by your inability to see and perceive and understand and imagine good coming from it, right? God is not limited in his ability to bring about good by your or my inability to imagine how he could. Even in the middle of a situation where you think, I can't imagine anything good ever coming from this. I can't imagine this ever leading to anything good. Even in the middle of those situations, we rejoice by faith because we trust that God is still in the blessing business. God is still in the caring business. That God can always work things together for good. Sometimes storms still rage, ships still sink, and snakes still bite, but God can bring about good even in those situations. Satan means it for evil, but God means it for good. In fact, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, every day we think about the cross, don't we? And the cross was truly a horrific thing. What those people did to Jesus is truly horrific. Truly horrific. It was unjust. It was criminal. It was murder. And God brought about the salvation of the world through the worst thing that human beings have ever done. God brought about the very best thing through the very worst thing that humans have ever done. So that's that's how we rejoice by faith. We remember the cross. We remember that God can redeem our suffering We remember that God can redeem this horrible thing that's happened. And again, that doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't mourn. It doesn't mean we're not sad. It doesn't even mean we're not angry. But it means in spite of the anger, in spite of the grief, in spite of the sorrow, in spite of the fact that we shake our fist at sin and death and pain and struggle, and we long for the day when all of that will be no more. In spite of that, We rejoice because we know that God is at work in this situation, whether we can see it or not. For those of you 
If anyone is here today and you're ready to be baptized into Jesus and let Jesus start redeeming your life and bringing about good, again, it doesn't mean you won't struggle. It doesn't mean you won't hurt. It doesn't mean you won't have storms. But it does mean that he will be with you and you will live forever as a forgiven and sanctified and justified member of his family. If you're ready to make that decision or you just need prayers, encouragement, because maybe you're going through a storm or maybe you're going through a stormy season, let us show you that we're here with you and we're here for you. Let the shepherds pray with you after service or you can come forward now. As together we stand and sing this song.